Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to have a good time. If you have your Bible, get two places today. And I want to talk to you this morning on first seed. Stay with me. First seed. I will explain kind of an unusual title, but if you have your Bible, let's go this morning to Habakkuk chapter 2. I'm going to read. We read it in the video, but it says in chapter 2, verse 14, just one verse out of here, two verses out of Matthew 13, but it says that the earth, say it with me, the earth, it's God talking, for the earth shall be filled. Love these world, these big key words. Say it with me, earth, next big word, filled with the knowledge goes on, not just with any knowledge, but with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As what? As the waters cover the oceans. That's where we got the name of our church. I'll explain that tonight, or today too, maybe tonight as well. Tomorrow, if you're here. Uh, But uh, we're excited uh, about what God's doing, and this is going to, I'm going to share a little bit. I've never done this from the stage in depth of the dream that kind of started this whole crazy adventure. So I'm going to share that today for the first time publicly. I'd also like to state that uh, uh, if we can go to Matthew 13, that it says, this kind of the the, the premise for the message today, that first see. So I want you to know that Jesus came talking about the kingdom of God. And most people get it mixed up because they think that the kingdom of God and the church are the same thing. They're actually different. They are different. You can say it like this. You write this in your notes if you want. That the, uh, the kingdom is our message as believers, but the church is the messenger. The kingdom is the message of believers, but the, the messenger of the message is the church. Now, here's what I know. When you say church, and especially in a room that people have gone to weird churches and met weird Christians and are related to weird Christians and know weird Christians. If you if met a weird Christian, raise your hand. Please raise your hand so we don't get suspicious of you. Everyone's met a weird Christian. Everyone's been to probably a weird church. And I want you to know that God is not, he's not weird. And if you've met a weird Christian, been to a weird church, I want to apologize for you. Because even great parents sometimes have strange kids. Can we agree? And God is no different. There are churches, they're like, man, this Holy Spirit churches, like, man, those are weird churches. No, some people are filled with the Holy Spirit, um, and they're weird. But they would be weird without the Holy Spirit. Can we agree on that point? And so uh, I want to say this just very boldly up front, is that if you, if you say, Mark, I love God, but I don't really care about church very much. I really don't like the church. I like, I've met many people who go, Mark, and I believe in Jesus. I just don't like the church. And I just want you to know, I understand, because most people, they say that out of a response to hurt. They've been wounded, disappointed. Someone on TV was Tell them that if they gave $10, they'd get a jet or a Rolls Royce and it didn't happen. Or someone's coming back from the dead like in 20 minutes and they promise that, you know, get rich quick type of thing. Listen, there is abuse in everything in life. And I want to just apologize on the behalf of Jesus that if you've been hurt in a church, disappointed by a pastor, offended by a Christ follower, I want you to know that does not make you an exception. It makes you normal. We all have. But I just want you to know today, just because that's true does not mean that the church is not great. How do you know the church is special? Because Jesus died to birth it. There's some weight. Because Jesus says, I'm going to die so this church can live. It's actually so important that Jesus died to be the first church planter. He plants a church with his life. And uh, it's so important to Jesus that not only does he start a church... But he says, I'm going to actually marry this church one day. It's called the Bride of Christ. He says that he's coming back for a glorious bride in Ephesians 5. Without spot or without Botox or wrinkles. Come on. He's coming back for a a church that's beautiful. The word glorious is the word gorgeous. Jesus isn't coming back for a dilapidated, crippled, come on, hobbling along. Let's wait for the rapture. God's biting his fingernails in heaven. Go, man, the devil's stronger than I thought he was. There's not an arm wrestling match with Sylvester Stallone. Come on, over the top. 
Good isn't arm wrestling darkness. There's no tug of war going on in heaven. God knows who the victory belongs to. Come on, if you're going to clap, give him a good hand clap. I feel fired up this morning. So here's the deal. People don't like the church, but they love Jesus. That's like saying, Mark, I really like you, but I don't like Rochelle. I want to give you context today. Jesus is coming back for a glorious bride. And to say I love Jesus, but I don't like his wife is a little bit offensive. And you can do it in ignorance. That's totally fine. But once you realize that, man, Jesus isn't coming back for Rambo sidewalk prophets. Well, we just do, we just do church by ourselves. It says not to forsake the assembly of the saints. Something about being a part of a community. So today, I want to just be forthright with you that my intention is talking to you about how glorious God's church is. So if you have your Bible today, I want to talk to you about first seed. And uh, we read those passages, and I want to just pray real fast. Is that all right? It's a long introduction. God, I just thank you for what you're doing in Ocean's Church. I want to say thank you, Lord, that we know that the best days of our personal lives, and not generically, we, this isn't a token prayer. We know that, God, you're doing something unusual here. Chad told me last night, Chad Beach preaches all over the world, been to all the greatest churches in the world. He said, Mark, what's happening here, I'm not lying to you, this is a God movement. He said, this does not happen. He says, I know some of the greatest leaders in the world that didn't start like this. And I believe, Lord, that you are doing something special. I believe that we are not in the middle or at the end. We are the very beginning. So, Lord, we know that foundations determine the size and the quality of a structure. So we pray today as we lay a vision foundation that, God, you give us potential to go big. God, we want to grow big, big people in Ocean's Church. We want to worship a big, big God in Ocean's Church. Lord, bless this morning in the Lakers. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Someone say first. Shout it, first. You ever notice that first things have a way of sticking in your memory better than almost everything else? Who remembers their first car? Everybody. You're like, I don't have one yet. Come on, first bicycle. First rollerblades. Come on, come for you. Remember the first time, first time. I remember first. There's all, all kinds of first. I remember uh, first crush, first movie, first movie theater I went to. I remember the first, it was the first PG-13 PG movie I went to was Twister. Love that movie. And uh, I don't know where it came from. It was random. First, I, uh, I'll never forget, we, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. I'm from the high desert. My family's all from Pasadena. But I grew up in Palmdale, Lancaster, which is basically, if you can't afford to live in the ghetto in L.A., you live in that ghetto. Come on, somebody. We were so poor, our welcome mat just said, well... You ring the doorbell in our house, the toilet flush. You know what I'm talking about? And so we, uh, we didn't have a lot. We ate out once a year. True story. We ate out once a year at a restaurant. I go to Chili's for our birthday. That was our once a year splurge. Or Applebee's. Come on. Maybe the dirty bird. Come on. But I, uh, we didn't have a lot. So I never had sushi till I was like 15. And I remember one of my buddies is like, you got to try. We're going to eat sushi today. You ever had it? I said, no, I never had sushi. Sushi. He said, oh, you're going to love it. So we're at the mall in the food court. Yeah, it gets worse and worse. My gosh, pray for me. I still have food poisoning. And uh, I'll never forget. I'm just like, he's like, he's like, man, I, like, you love food, Mark. You love Mexican food, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's kind of like Mexican food. I'm like, okay, cool. I had no idea he was setting me up. It's like Mexican food. He's like, yeah, you got these raw, it's a raw food, raw fish. It's rice, like Mexican food, rice. Me, he's like, actually, I don't even like guacamole. You can have my guac. Come on, who needs enemies when you got friends like that? It's funny because you eat spicy Mexican food, it kind of gets in your throat. You eat spicy Indian food, it's like in your stomach, your intestines. You eat spicy, like, what is it called? Wasabi? It's like getting karate chopped in the nasal cavity. It's like a burning in your brain. You can feel like fumes. It has a way of just scratching your brain through your nose. I, ate this, I love guac. I'm like, that, it's unusual. It's a little bit kind of thick, but I'll take some. I loaded a roll up, put the guac. It's wasabi. And I just felt like fire. 
Yosemite Sam. Come on, somebody. Smoke coming out of my ears. And uh, I just remember, I, I'll never forget my first time having sushi. But it's funny that first things are special. I don't know why. Your, your first kiss, your first, your first job, your first paycheck, your first vacation. I was a little guy. Our, our first big vacation, we took a minivan, a Dodge Caravan, in a 17-foot little travel trailer from Palm, Tehachapi, California, where we lived, all the way to Disney World and back. And we stayed at every RV park along the way. And to this day, it was one of my favorite vacations. I forgot all the misery and the hell. And your mind has a way just remembering the good moments. First, first things are special. Can I get a good amen? I don't know why, but I felt like uh, we talked about this. This is our first conference. This is our first, first conference. And this is the, really the first Vision Sunday of Ocean's Church. And I want to just let you know today, I really do believe that God, God, has a, God has a powerful dream for this community. 2012, God gave me my first vivid dream. Never had a dream like it. Really before or after, it was the most powerful dream I've ever had. Never really talked much about it publicly like this. But in the dream, I want to just kind of elaborate. In this first dream that God gave me, it was so vivid, I felt like I was a cameraman. That's just kind of give you an idea of the dream. And I was a cameraman in a movie that my wife and I were starring in. It was really weird. And we were on this big beach. It kind of looked like Newport Beach. It was very wide. And on this wide, wide beach, there was like a stage set up with line array speakers, like a concert. But there was an ocean, a myriad of people along the beach. It looked like Washington, D.C. when they do those big rallies. And there's just people as far as you can see. And it was interesting because in the dream, I could feel. How many of you, when a dream's going on, you know what's happening almost? And I could feel the presence of God moving in the crowd in a powerful way. There was not just hundreds, but thousands of people walking into the ocean at the same time getting baptized. I saw, I saw thousands of people literally getting healed. I saw people with wheelchairs stepping out of them. I saw people with crutches. I saw people praying for each other. And I could feel this sense of like, like revival that you would read about maybe in a history book. And it was the weirdest thing because Rochelle and I were on the stage of this big platform. And again, as I'm experiencing the dream, I feel like the cameraman watching myself. And I said to the crowd, I said, hey guys, we're so glad to have you here. And I started telling them our story how we, we pastored youth and young adults for 17 years in Boise under my in-laws at their church. And we shared the story about how we had a spiritual awakening in Boise, specifically at Boise State, where we had 18,000 young people come to know Jesus in 10 years, which did happen. We had the whole football team got saved and baptized. We had all these crazy things, happen, miracles happening in Boise. But God, this is what's crazy, in the dream I said, but then God gave us a dream and in the dream, he gave us the name of our church and the mandate for our church. Before this, this is October of 2012, I had no idea. I knew that we'd go to California one day. I knew we would start a church. I didn't know the name or the, or the vision. But in this dream, it's crazy. You know what I've learned is that many times God will give you a, God will give you a moment of discovery. See, destiny isn't, it isn't created, it's discovered. And in this moment, God showed me, he said, Mark, and I said this in the dream, I said, and God gave us the name and the vision of the church, and he told us to call it, and I had no idea the name of the church. I heard the name of Oceans. People go, that's a cool name for a church. Did you name it after the song from Hillsong? I said, no, they wrote it for us. Thank you, Oceans Church. Hillsong. Listen, in the dream, I said, uh, I said, and God told us to call this church in California Oceans Church. It's the first time I heard it. Heard it from myself in the dream. It was like a dream within a dream. And I said, and, and he called, called Ocean's Church out of Habakkuk 2.14 that says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the oceans. And it was wild because as I said it, I knew exactly what was going on. And right after that I said, and God told us in the dream that he would give us favor in coastal cities and port cities around the world that we would actually become a movement. And in the movement, we wouldn't focus on starting churches inland, but we would have churches on coastal port cities around the world. There would be an authority on our church for coastal port cities. And I saw a list, and we put many of the cities in the video. Of, I saw Mombasa, Africa. I saw Stockholm, Sweden. I saw facilities and people groups experiencing the same power and presence of God that was on that beach. Solid in the dream. 
That sounds pretty crazy. Well, it is. Pretty crazy when Abraham's 100 years old. He's like, you're going to have as many descendants as the stars. Can you count them? Abraham's like, have you seen Sarah lately? She has a beautiful soul. <laughs> Had to redeem myself. That was close. But, you know, we haven't even... Um, we don't even have a son. How are we going to have kids as myriads, a, a myriad of kids like the sky stars? But it says that Abraham believed God. Say it with me, believed. You know what happens when you believe? God counts it as righteousness. God gave us the name of the church, the vision of the church. And here's what I want to say today, that Oceans, I believe, will be a unique tribe. And I love this. Last night we had Zoe here, which is doing phenomenal things in Los Angeles. The night before we had Bethel, the lead pastor of Bethel Church here, doing amazing things in the body of Christ. Every year we're going to bring in people from Calvary and Vineyard and different parts, different streams. God gave me a word out of uh, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 7. It says this. I'll read it to you. It's so powerful. Last night I was asking for language uh, to share this to share this with you guys, and God gave me these, this, this word of why our church will be special. I love this. Watch what it says. It, all these different streams in the body of Christ, in, in Ecclesiastes 1-7, it says, all the rivers run into the sea. You know what I believe will make oceans unique? One of our strengths is that people from all different spiritual streams will find a home in this ocean. Come on, if you believe it, say Amen. I believe we have something here for people that are more conservative, people that are more charismatic, people that love men, the power of God, the fire of God, and the teaching of Scripture. I believe that all streams run into the ocean. And it says this, that the ocean is not full. God began to speak to me about how, man, it's crazy. Isn't it weird to think that the Amazon and the Nile River, they flow millions of gallons a day into the ocean. And Solomon, thousands of years before all these apps and technology, he goes, isn't it amazing that the water returns from where it came from, but it never gets too full? What a powerful thought. And I believe that what will make this tribe, this year, and this church unique is that Habakkuk 2, God began to just, man, he stirred me up last night. And I'm going to preach like I'm at the conference. Is that all right? And I want to tell you that last night he showed me that we would be a church that has four distinctions. Are you ready to go? We'll make this community, like, why would I want to go to this church? Why would I want to raise my kids in this house? Why would I want to raise my grandbabies in this house? What's different about this church than all the other churches? I believe that every family has strengths. Three people believe that. Where's my athletic people at? Come on, raise your hands humbly. Come on, I see you. Come on, where's my smart people at? I just like, I'm not, I'm not gonna bench press a car, but come on, I'll make some money. Come on. We have different strengths all over this room. And I know this that the body of Christ, it's funny, every church has divinity from God in it. It's almost like your kids. Some kids have your eyes, some kids have your ears, some kids have your voice. Isn't it weird that all of your kids. They can look completely different, but they all resemble you somehow. I believe that every church has divine characteristics of God. And one of the stupidest things believers can do is say, well, because you don't have our nose, you're going to hell. I'm going to blog from my mom's basement about how bad your church is. You don't have our ears. You don't have our eyebrows. I think the body of Christ gets so foolish. By the way, the meanest people on the earth are not atheists. They are religious Christians. I am convinced. So what we're going to do in this church, what's distinct about us? I believe four things. God gave us this passage. I had no idea this is our purpose. Our purpose is in this verse. God says that, here's number one, our passion at Oceans is to have God's target, which is the earth. So write this down. Four, four thoughts. I believe that, number one, God is passionate at about the earth. Now, before you get bored, you're like, of course, the nations, whatever. I want you to, I want you to think about this. The earth is not just Tonga. The earth is not just Zimbabwe. It's not just some far other nation. The earth is also your neighborhood. Do you know that God cares about your coworkers? Do you know that God, you know, you ever see a football player get in trouble for targeting somebody? Why did he get in trouble? Because he intentionally went after that, in, that contact. And I want you to know that God is intentionally going after your neighborhood. 
And now he's going after, he wants to go after your sphere through your life. Do you know why you live next to him and I don't? Because there's people that you'll reach that I'll never meet. There's people that you can be a light, you can be salt to that no one else will ever see. You can write this down in your notes. You might be the only Bible that someone ever reads. And the reason why you work with them and they drive you crazy and the reason why, man, my, my grandpa used to say, love your enemies, you made them. Come on, that's good. I think that God put people in your life because there's some people that God says this earth needs to be reached. And by the way, I love it because it says for the earth, not just the church. What's going to be filled? Not just the church. I'm going to challenge some paradigms today. I want you to know that God's desire is not just for believers. His heart burns for humanity. I'm convinced of it. I think it's so funny that we think small with church, but we think big with the world. We think so big. Man, Cowboy Stadium, Jerry Jones, of course, revival, 100,000 people showed up. But church, there better not be more than 200. I'm not coming. Why are we okay with big outside, but not inside? Why do we have a tipping point when a church gets too big? I want to know, who's the person that's going to tell if a church, what's the size that gets too big? What is this, 200? Is it 250? Is it 300? Is it 500? At what point does a church become... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this there. I need if I got to hit this. What point? Because really, any answer that you respond, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000, how big is it? How big's too big? Any answer you have to that question is rooted in selfishness. I want to be clear on this today. Because you're making everything that God wants to do about his kids just about you. Do you want to be the person that goes, no, no, 500 is the max. 501, you got to leave. No, keep the doors closed. They can't come in. I know churches. My uncle was on the board of the largest church in the world, Dr. Young E. Cho. Had a church of back then 750,000 people in South, South Korea. And Young E. Cho had to tell his church that only 100,000 could come to this service because that's all the room they had in their facility. And they had to tell people when they could come, when they couldn't come because of a space capacity. It's so funny to me that big is big. It's so relative. It's like money, right? It's like, man, well, $100, that's so much money if you're like in Mexico. But if you're in Orange County, like, I can't even buy a shirt. <laughs> Isn't it relative? And it's funny because in Orange County, well, man, I don't know. The two biggest churches in our state were in this county. So many people are scared of big churches because they think that big loses quantity. Here's the deal. As long as there's people in Orange County that don't know Jesus, not one church is too big. Can we all agree? No, is that right? Half people believe that. The earth shall be filled. God is targeting this county. There's 3.2 million people. Out of the 3.2 million, about a million seven don't go to any type of church. A million seven. That is more than the population of Idaho. We had some Pharisee or some Christian email us when we started this church and said, why are you coming to Orange County? There's enough churches in Orange County. Why don't you stay in Idaho? There's so many people moving to Idaho. I said, there is more lost people in Orange County than there are people in Idaho. That's one reason. Send. <laughs> the earth shall be filled. Say with me, filled. You know what's going to make oceans unique? Some of you love this already about our community. Is you come in here and you don't get a touch of God, you get filled. I, I'm convinced there are so many dehydrated believers that are just thirsty for the presence of God. You know what it says? Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled. I'm going to shout like I'm, I'm going to preach that. I'm, come on, preach my underwear get wet today. Come on, somebody. Come on, do not be drunk with wine, but be, come on, say, filled. It says be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what happens when you drink too much? It affects the way you act. It impairs your ability to perceive reality. When you drink too much, what happens? It'll actually cause you to have boldness in areas you never had boldness. You know what happens when you drink too much? It'll actually affect the way you see the world. And you know, Paul says, he goes, you know what alcohol will do? It'll, it'll affect the way you see everything. It'll give you boldness in areas you never had it. But you know how you used it with alcohol before? I want you to use it with the Spirit of God now. Because when the Holy Spirit fills you up, you know what's crazy? When someone's drunk... Everyone can tell. Yeah. 
You have the floor. Go ahead. <laughs> Telling story after story, slurring. I love everybody, right? Like, this guy's had a couple too many. Why? Because you can tell when someone's been filled. You know, one of the reasons why this church will continue to grow, it's not because we want a big church. It's because we're going to create an atmosphere for people to get full. And I want to warn you, when you get filled, your neighbors will see it. Man, you have a joy I've never seen. What happened in the last six months going to a new church? And this church is actually helping me get so full of the Spirit of God. It's giving me a boldness that I've never possessed. It's helping me see the world like I've never seen it. And everybody's taking notice that, man, you are, uh, you're, you have the floor. I believe that we're going to be a church that doesn't just go after some of God. We go after all of him. I don't know, man. That, you can get weird and you go after too much of the Holy Spirit. Those services get weird. I want you to know there are some spirit-filled churches that are completely weird. But they would be completely weird without the Holy Spirit. Can I get an honest amen? It's eccentric individuals. But I believe you can be full of the Holy Spirit. You know what I love is that, you know, it says in the early church that people were drawn to it. They were attracted to it. Here's what I don't get is that people that were nothing like Jesus loved being around him. Why is it that like people that are not Christians love Jesus, but people that are not Christians don't love the church? Shouldn't it be if they were drawn to him, shouldn't they be drawn to us? You know what's going to make this special is that we're going to create a place every week that people can get filled. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. We're going to get filled. What do you mean filled? It means to desire. We're going to desire to get filled every week. The word filled means to get satisfied. Satisfied. There's so many, I'm telling you, there's so, mal, there's so much malnutrition in the body of Christ. The Bible talks about being ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, or being in over your head. And I believe most Christians are living in the kiddie pool side of the, uh, side of the pool. They're living in the shallow end. What's the shallow end? The shallow end is when you can touch all the time. I feel like preaching in here, man. It's all right. I, I think some of you are like, no, as long as I can logically explain everything. As long as there is a clear-cut definition scientifically. I want you to know that if your eight-pound brain can understand everything about God, he is no longer God. There is depths to who he is that are far beyond your IQ. Look, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how smart you are. You might have more degrees than a thermometer. I want you to know that it took you, friend, two years to start talking in syllables. Took you five years to start tying your shoes. Took you 14, 15 years to think you knew how to drive. Took you 18 years to get a piece of paper that says you're pretty average. Took you four more years to say you're a little smarter than everybody else. Took you two more years to say you're smarter than most smart people. And then it took you like six more years to say I'm pretty much smarter than everybody. So you're telling me that in that time period of 24, 5, 6 years, that you've acquired knowledge more than the God that's always been. I got to understand everything. There's things about God you will never find the bottom. That's why I love Ocean's Church. Because there's depths in the ocean that we haven't found yet. And this is going to be an ocean that has a shallow end. It's going to have a deep end. You're going to snorkel over here. You're going to scuba dive over here. And that's what I see. I see a church in 2020. I see a church in the next 20, 30, 40 years that you can invite your non-safe friends to because it's not going to be spooky. But it's also going to be a church that you're like, man, you like the deeper things of God? There's a deep end. Get in the boat. We're going out. Come to my small group. Come on, we're going in. And I believe that this will be a church that is filled, not with some, but with all of God's presence. And not only is it going to have uh, this filling, the third distinctive is that we're going to go with being filled with not just anything. We want to be filled with the knowledge. You know what the word knowledge comes from? It's, it's, the, it's the Hebrew word yada. Yada is when the, when the serpent came to Adam, uh, to Eve, excuse me, in Genesis. Are you still with me today? Genesis chapter 3, it says the snake goes, no, God knows, God knows that when you eat of it, you will know. K-N-O-W, say it with me, no. It's the word yada. It's the same word that it says, Adam knew his wife. He knew, say it with me, knew. Knew and know. He knew Eve and she got pregnant with Cain. Knew. 
It's where we get intimacy from, and it's where we get to know somebody experientially. So I say it this way, two definitions for yada. It means to know at the most intimate level possible to experience. And I believe there's many educated Christians all over the world. But there's not very many people that know God intimately. You can cite scriptures. You went to Christian schools. You might have been in church your whole life. I love it, man. We have so many people that go to our church that went to churches for years. And they're like, Mark, I've grown more in six months than I grew in 16 years. Look, I am not that great of a teacher. We are not that great of a church. But there is a great spirit that we invite every single week that fills us with this intimate, experiential knowledge. Knowledge of what? Number four, it's the knowledge of his glory. I think so many churches are so structured and so scheduled that they start and end and realize that God wasn't there. You sang the songs, you did the teaching, you cited the scriptures, but no lives are being transformed. You know what changes people? Not knowledge, it's his presence. It's presence. The word, the, word, the word glory, to be filled with the knowledge of the glory. The glory is the kabod. Kabod is a Hebrew word for, for weight. It's heavyweight. It means literally like in Old Testament times when God's kabod would show up, it was so heavy. It said that the, the priest could not even minister because of the weight of his presence. It means that when God shows up into a room that people start getting, they get overwhelmed. I don't know if you've been there before, you start crying. Why am I crying? Why am I shaking? Why am I, why am I, feel, I feel it in my feeler? What's going on, man? That, that is the kabod. It means it's a splendor. It's the majesty of the presence. And I'm telling you that when this kabod shows up into a room, you know it. It's not just, people that don't know church, they're like, man, this is a good vibe. People that don't know church are like, man, kind of got sentimental today. A little sentimental. You didn't get sentimental. That was the kabod. You started tasting something. It was that glory. And I want you to know that when his glory shows up, you never feel bad about you. It's weird. When his kabod shows up, you get overwhelmed at how good he is. So strange. And it's interesting because when his kabod, his glory shows up, you don't have to tell sinners to stop sinning. You lose your appetite for things. That's why at Oceans, whether you go for, for two weeks or 20 years, you will never hear me get up here and say, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and we're not going to do this, we're not going to watch that movie, and we're not going to go to, don't listen to that music. We're not preaching don'ts here. We're preaching do's. I'm not going to preach can'ts on Sundays. I'm going to preach can'ts. You can know the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit of God. You can read this book, and this book can read you. And when he does, all of a sudden, his kabod will change your appetite. Listen, when my wife got pregnant, it changed her appetite. She started getting hungry for things that she was never hungry for. She wanted Subway 24 hours a day. She was eating fresh nonstop. I got more footlongs. Thank God for the $5 footlong. I would have refinanced my house four times if they weren't $5. She was so hungry. Why? Because Kenzie loved Subway. She loved it. And it's crazy because Rochelle never liked it until she was full of Kenzie. Some of you, you're like, man, I never liked to read until I got full of Jesus. I never liked worship music, come on, until I got full of Jesus. I never liked, man, doing the right things until I got... F- Religion's like, change, conform, come on, please, fit the, fit the mold of religiosity. You don't fit a mold, friend. You get a new life inside of you. And when you invite his spirit in, all of a sudden, like, man, I'm craving Subway. I want to read my Bible for two hours today. I want to listen to podcasts on the way to work from now on. I want to listen to worship. I'm getting, I mean, I, just, I feel dirty when I listen to that. I want to listen to this. Who told you that was dirty? It was the Holy Spirit. You ever eat something when you're pregnant, ladies, and you're like, man, that just did not agree with me. What do you mean it didn't agree with you? It means the baby didn't like it. I didn't agree with that. I'm telling you that when you, when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, he'll start changing your appetite in such a way that things won't agree with you anymore. And I want to just say this to you. If you go to a church every week and you keep on living the same destructive way, find a new church. Because healthy churches are places that your sins go to die. If you feel empowered to keep living dark, lawless, 
discouraged, depressed, hopeless, doubtful, cynical, jaded. I've been this way for 20 years. I still go to this church. Find a church that has some power in it. You know where power is found? It's found in this kabod. It's glory. So we're going to be a church. What do you mean, Mark? I want to be a church that has a passion. That Because, listen, Oceans is special because it's our first. Listen, this is the first Oceans church. It will not be the last. This is the first seed. This is the first. And the Bible said, we read in, in Matthew 13, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. A mustard seed is 1% of the seed that I'm holding right now. Avocado seeds are about 100 times bigger than a mustard seed. I would have used it, but you wouldn't see it. And I want you to know that oceans is the first seed. And I want to tell you something about seeds, is that seeds are powerful because, number one, if you're taking notes, I believe that inside of every seed there is life. And what I'm telling you is this, is that when we're a church like Habakkuk 2.14, that is so actually a... So, so after the earth to be filled with intimate knowledge of his glory, it will bring life everywhere we plant it. I don't care what the soil's like. I don't care what language they speak. I don't care what the color of someone's skin is. When we, we build communities that actually honor going after the earth for God, being filled with intimate knowledge and welcoming his glory, I don't care what dialect they speak, that seed will thrive. Because there is life in that seed. Follow me. I'm, almost, I'm going somewhere today. And not only in every seed is there life. Number two, there's actually power in every seed. I believe there's going to be power in this community to change cultures. You know what every, every deprived city needs is a life-giving church. You show me a revived, fiery church, I will show you a revived, fiery county. And I believe one of the reasons why Orange County is going to be known all over the world for being one of the most godly counties in America it's because we're going to have some churches here. We're not going to be the only, we're going to be one of the many that is thriving. Are you hearing me tonight? And this morning and tomorrow. Come on. I believe that we're going to have a church that actually is so full of God's presence that we're going to affect all seven pillars of society. You mark my words that the first thing we're going to do is we're going to change the religious landscape of Orange County. We're going to go from our sipping our lattes and watching the concert and just being like, it's kind of a good vibe been going to church here for 20 years, still addicted to those, that meth, still still an alcoholic, still cheating on my spouse, still, still, still. But I go to that church and I sip my lattes every Sunday. First thing we're here to do is to invite the Holy Spirit in such a way that it actually changes the religious scene of Orange County. If you believe it, come on, put your hands together. That's the first thing that God brought us here to do. Power in the sea. And not only are we going to change the religious landscape, we're going to change families in Orange County. Why? Because right now there's a 50% divorce rate across the board. And I believe that one of the things that happens is that families are the building blocks to society. We complain about broken families, but we don't give solutions. What is the solution to a broken marriage is a healthy church. You've got to have healthy marriages around you. It is a, it is a, is a, it's such an anomaly to me. That every week in churches, you have people that are falling apart financially, sitting next to people that are brilliant with money. And there's people that are losing their houses because they don't know how to balance a checkbook, but they're sitting next to a couple that is brilliant with money. And there's this guy over here that, man, is awful at sports, but has a kid that needs to coach, sitting next to a great athlete next to him. And there's people, man, that, that they're like, man, I, I'm so, so wired for community but I don't, I'm not, I don't know how to start. And the person next to you is the leader to get you into the community. Every week, there's no other place in the world that rich and poor, all denominations, all backgrounds, all people groups, all social economic statuses sit in the same room. And you know what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to reinvigorate families in Orange County. I believe, listen, this will be one of the churches that helps the divorce rate to drop in Orange County. You believe it. Put your hands together. Our babies are no longer going to be addicted to substance abuse. Our babies are no longer going to overdose on opioids, commit suicide. Come on, we're coming after you, Orange County. There's power in the seed. Power in the seed. Come on, who believes power's in the seed? It's a little seed, Mark. I don't care. You give it some time, it'll change. It'll change this county. What do you mean it'll change a county? This little seed 
this scene. What do you mean? This scene. This scene. Sit down, I'm not done yet. This seed. This seed, so weird. You put it in the ground, it's not very sexy or glamorous. You give it a few years, you water it, you give it some sunshine, you know what happens? This seed will eventually, it'll lift cement. This seed will break through rocks. This seed will lift the foundation of your house. Why? Because there's power in the seed. And I want you to know the oceans is not the first. This is not, it's not the only. This is the first oceans, church. But because we are going after the earth to be filled with knowledge of the glory of God, it will actually lift the foundation of Orange County. And I'm telling you that the, the crime rates are going to drop wherever our church is at. You mark my words. I don't care where you're. The businesses around us are going are to thrive. Because in the sea, there's power. And not only is there power in the seed, there's actually prosperity in the seed. People always get scared of prosperity in the church. Like, oh no, not one of those faith preachers. Let me just say this. What is the alternative to preaching faith? Don't worry, we're not a faith church. We're one of those discouraging churches. We're preaching doubt every Sunday. Come on back. We are a faith preaching church. What do you mean? I'm not saying name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that prosperity is the idea that this seed will not just produce a tree. Anybody be irritated if I put the seed in your yard and it took up a bunch of square feet that you, you didn't have much of, but it never produced an avocado? Get that dumb tree out of my yard. It's taking up space. Now you expect the, the seed to prosper. You actually expect it to, to produce other seeds. And it's funny because we're like, well, we don't like... God's not prosperous. Can't even talk like you. You bloggers in your mom's basements. Come on. Can't talk like you. Listen, this seed has the power to prosper you. You know what I love? I love families in our church. I, I can rattle off a bunch of families. I can people like like Debbie, people like like uh, Sherry and Paul. I can I can just go around the room talking about couples, Christina and and Jesse, and I can talk about man just all over my friend Chris and Neil, and man I could just go Enoch. There's people all over this room that it's weird when they started planting in the soil here. Things started prospering in their life. You got that job, right, Enoch? Did you get that job? Yeah. Neil, Cat, your marriage has gone to another level, hasn't it? Isn't it weird? Come on. Are you with me right now, Mackenzie? This thing's changing you and Zach's. Why? Because when you're in healthy soil, you're never surprised when you prosper. But here, listen, you know what the devil does? The devil's like, no, that prosperity stuff's garbage. No, I think he's scared because when you believe that God can prosper you, you'll start believing for it. And guess what? We're going to prosper in such a way that not only are families going to thrive, we're going to actually prosper in such a way it's going to affect government. I'm telling you, you mark my words, I prophesy today that some of the greatest senators, congressmen, I believe even uh, con congress, even governors one day will come out of Ocean's Church. I believe that we're going to raise up kings that will actually lead this nation back towards righteousness. California's going to hell. No, your theology's going to hell. Let me tell you something. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. I'm telling you, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says that that, that, uh, that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I'm telling you that there will be such good soil in this seed that when you plant your family here, some of your kids are going to be congressmen someday. Some of them are going to affect politics, mayors. Are you hearing me? And I believe that we're not only going to affect the, the government, governing world, we're going to affect the educational paradigm. We have people like ILA, Joe and Les, there's people in this that are going after the educational system. I am tired of the world educating our kids. Last time I checked, the five-fold ministry didn't just say apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, uh, yeah, teachers. Do you know that God's raising some of you up to teach? Well, we got to leave the education to the higher powers. Listen to me. Every great Ivy League university in America was started by a church. Do your homework. I know we don't teach in our schools because they're godless. I know that in 1962, we removed prayer. In 1963, we removed Bibles. But listen to me. Cornell, Yale, Harvard, Brown, 
I go down the list. Columbia, they were started off as seminaries to raise up preachers of the gospel. But here's what I want to warn you. When you go after knowledge without the presence, you get, you get puffed up. And that's why without God, education just makes smarter devils. We will be a church that has a leadership college that will raise up some of the most creative, innovative entrepreneurs, actors, writers, directors. I wish someone would, get it, would start believing this today. Our church will change education. There's power in the seed. And not only will it affect education, it's going to affect media. It's going to affect the arts and entertainment. You show me a revived church, I'll show you people that revived their, their, their places of influence. I'm tired of people leaving Hollywood. It's time to go back. The mess we're in today is that we pulled God out of the places of influence. The 80s was preaching this like left behind theology of hide in a cave and hide from the big bad world. Jesus didn't say to leave. He said to go. Go and make disciples of all nations. You know that we're supposed to influence the business world. The greatest businessmen in the world should be believers. I'm going to get on a soapbox just for a second. Is that all right? I promise I'll get off. I believe the most creative people in the world should know the creator. You know what offends me? It offends me that we're fine with people succeeding and giving big to things that aren't godly. It offends me when I think about people giving like, like John Paulson gave $400 million that he donated to Harvard School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. And people applaud it. I'm not, I'm not against it, but just follow me. People are like, oh yeah, of course. Give your, give your fortunes to uh, higher education. Let's, let's raise up more engineers. And then people like, uh, like Boone Pickens give in 2005 $165 million to a football program. That's great, of course. Yeah, do that. They give $652 million to your university. Half of it goes towards the uh, sports programs. Half of it goes towards educating young people. I think it's great. I'm not against philanthropy. I think it's interesting George Lucas gave $185 million to the film program at USC. I think it's great. I applaud it. But I just want you to know, I think it's funny to me that we're cool with people giving $7 million to the Red Cross, selling their homes, and leaving all that they have to cancer research, which I'm all about. My brother, died, my, my brother almost died from cancer. My uncle did die from cancer. I think that we should keep funding cancer research. Everyone said amen. But listen to me. I have a problem when we're more interested in putting our resources into education or even prolonging life, but we don't see the value in investing in eternal souls. It is, a, it is an enigma to me that if I said, who would like to give a million dollars to your alma mater? And everyone goes, yeah, of course. Who would like to write a million dollars to your local church? That's ridiculous. This church, I want you to know, this church will get millions. And I even believe $10 million plus checks in the future. Because we have a vision of a seed. Listen, God, if we have the greatest message on the world, in the world, we should have the greatest crowds. And if we have the greatest crowds, you mark my words, we should have the greatest buildings. And if we have the greatest buildings, we should have the greatest real estate properties. And if we have the greatest real estate properties, we should have the greatest resources. The church is not Jehovah Barely, Jehovah Broke, Jehovah Average. He's coming back for a church that's better than the one that he left. It's all right. Getting quiet in here. We will have resources that fund nations. We live in one of the most affluent parts of the world. God did not just put us here so we could be greedy. Well, man, Ocean's Church is blessed. No, we are here because God will give us resources that actually sow other seeds. Because every seed has power. Every seed, come on, has life. And guess what? Every seed has the power to multiply. Do you know that no one ever sows a seed expecting just one in return? There's always a multiplied interest. So I want to just, man, I'm going to challenge all of us to go, you know what? This is going to be a year that we believe there's power in God's seed. Why are you so fired up about this? Because I think that the greatest cause on the earth is the church. Do you know it's the only organization on the planet that exists for the non-member? And it's the only organism on the planet that exists for the next life. I think that churches have the greatest resources because they have the greatest cause. 
Like, I'm all about Tom's shoes. Let's come on. Let's get shoes for people that don't have shoes. I'm all about, come on, compassion. We're going to sponsor a kid. Listen, I'm all about it. But I think that if, if we don't hear anything else today, let's hear this, that the greatest cause on the earth is God's bride. It's the church. He's not coming back for sidewalk prophets. He's coming back for a church. He's coming back for his wife. And it's going to be without spot or Botox. Come on. It's a, that spot or wrinkle, it's gorgeous. People think, no, we got to just hide in caves until he comes back. He is not coming back for a church that's weaker than the one that he left. He's going to come back for a church with signs and wonders following. He's going to come back with a church that has miracles breaking out every week. What kind of church is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's an Acts 242 church. It's a church that the believers get together and they actually go after the apostles' doctrine. Every week we're going to have dynamic services that we teach the Bible. Can I get a good amen? It's going to be an Acts 242 church here at Oceans that doesn't just go after the apostles' doctrine, but the fellowship. Koinonia is the Greek word. It means, it means belonging in community. Do you know, what, you know why this church is going to grow? Because in this seed there is belonging. In this seed there is actually uh, believing. And in this seed, the third thing they did is they broke bread. The, the Greek is actually in and out. Kidding is they broke bread. You know what, when they did, they broke bread in small groups. Mark, it's going to get too big. Listen, we're going to get smaller as we get bigger. How? Through groups. And I want you to know, like, Mark, well, my high school, I live in a town of 5,000 people. If you grew up in a town of 5,000, I bet you, you knew almost everyone. Because the dog catcher was the mailman and the principal and the veterinarian. 5,000 is small in a village but it's big in a church. No, it's going to be small because we're going to be involved in groups. And uh, you know what we're going to do is we're going to, and I feel something in here, is that it says that they gave themselves to prayer and worship. Do you know what we're going to do is we're going to build the kingdom. It's so funny that we plan more for retirement than we do for eternity. Stop thinking about our 401k for a second and start thinking about eternity. Stand your feet. I feel like we're going to pray today. There's power in the seat. Who believes it? Anybody believe we've got some good things ahead of us? Give me a hand clap if you believe it all over this room. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.